Hello and welcome to 6 Degrees Authentic Youth Leadership Podcast. My name is Vinti Firth and I am your host on the podcast here. And on today's podcast we have Wilson Beer. Wilson is the Director of Urban States Ireland. He's become a good friend of mine over the years working on different youth projects together. And he is a devoted husband, a devoted father, a loyal football fan. I won't tell you what football team you'll find out in the podcast. He is probably one of the most authentic people that I know. He has the ability to be really down to earth, to connect well with people, to be real with people. And he's pursuing and following a passion uh, with everything that he has. So no doubt you're bound to get a lot from the podcast. So, in the same old way, in the same old fashion, I ask you to sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Guys, welcome to the Authentic Youth Leadership Podcast. It is an absolute pleasure to have Wilson there on the podcast today. You're very, very welcome, Wilson. It's great to be here. Happy days, Wilson. Can can you can you pronounce your surname for me? So I I is it bear like? No, no, it's beer. As in beer. Yeah. Oh, is it? Is yeah, it, yeah, as in. Let's go for a beer. Yeah, that's it. It's just <laughs> I feel I feel like uh, the Green Mile. It's like the drink, but not spelled the same. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> 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 but yeah, I hear that. And the name's haunted me my whole life. You know. Okay. Generally, when I introduce myself, it's followed by a raft of, of jokes and, and <laughs> heard from I was a youngster. So, yeah, that's how it's pronounced. Okay. Do you know what? It's good that I know that now. I'll pronounce <laughs> your name properly from here on. Good. It's good. So, um, so just to kick, kick us off, um, I, have, I thought it'd be really interesting to uh, do a little bit of a general knowledge um, quiz. Yeah. What I hoped to do um, was to... Uh, do a little bit of a quiz around. <laughs> you're gonna, you're gonna laugh at this, but um, <laughs> you're from Enniskillen, aren't you? From Ireland. Yeah, I don't like to admit it, but yeah, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Mollers, yes. Yeah. So all my stereotypes were kind of coming out from people from uh, the from from Ireland. I was going to do a quiz around right. around your knowledge around like countryside and farming well to be, to be honest i should say originally from belfast because if my dad ever heard this he'd be like well you're not from Fermanagh, you're from belfast like i was oh. only lived in belfast it was seven but we're still classed as blowings so <laughs> oh there you go but, yeah but my farming knowledge is extensive so is uh, it right enough oh, i should have went there <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, really okay so what i decided to do instead was just to do a quick general knowledge um thing with you so I've downloaded a couple of questions off the Tinder web. Oh, great. Because my general knowledge um, doesn't exist. Okay. Um, and Google is the place to go for everything. Okay, here, here's, here, here's what seems like an easy one. Go. Which reggae singing star died on the 11th of May, 1981? Bob Marley. Oh, correct. Well done. Yeah. Um, on TV... Who did the character Lurch work for? Uh, Adam's family. Yeah. Major Doom Mel, two out of two. Which singer joined Mel Gibson in the movie Mad Max Beyond the Thunderdome? Singer? Mm. Uh, David Bowie? 
No. <laughs> <laughs> Tina Turner. Oh, well, yeah, yeah, that was, that was my next one. That was, was, was going to be your second. Your second boy, wasn't it? No. <laughs> <laughs> okay. What, what is converted into alcohol during brewing? What's alcohol? Ethanol? <laughs> <laughs> uh, no. No, it's not. Yeast? You, you did go there, and, and it's wrong. It's sugar. So sugar is converted into alcohol during brewing. Right. I didn't know that, but there you go. Better die. Obviously. Okay. Uh, let's speed them up. So you have three seconds to answer. Yeah, go, go. Okay. Here we go. Which river forms the eastern section of the border between England and Scotland? One, two, three. Oh, oh no idea. Two. <laughs> the River Tweed. Tweed? Right. <laughs> I got some of the letters there. I got T E E there. <laughs> just, made up, just made up a river. <laughs> anyway, go, go for it. In the song Heartbreak Hotel. Oh, in the song, Harper Hotel is on which street? Oh, Lonely Street. Oh, yes. Get in. Well done. Okay. For which, for which fruit is the U.S. state of Georgia famous? Fruit? Yeah. What fruit? Uh, Apples? So close. Peach. Peach? Do you know what I thought? Peach and... I was based on nothing like but Okay. I, I've, are you keeping track of how many questions I've asked? I, I have no idea. We'll, we'll go two more. Right. Um, which guitarist is known as Slowhand? Slowhand? <laughs> oh. Clapton? Yes. Yeah. That, was, that was a guess. Sorry. <laughs> you got it right. Oh. Here we go. Last question. Uh, the Sheffield Shield is co- competed for in which sport? Sheffield Shield? Yeah. Oh, I'm going to... Uh, rugby League? No. Cricket. Cricket? There right. we go. So, was, questions? I should really have been taking note of this. Uh, uh, round 10, and I got around... Three, right, I think. <laughs> slightly, slightly poor return. But what do you do? Well, there you go. Well, there you go, Wilson. We we know we know that maybe general knowledge. Of those questions. <laughs> well, I do question the actual questioner. Do you know what I mean? Well, uh, I would too. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I just made those up. Yeah. Great, Wilson. For the guys who are tuning in and listening. Give us a wee bit of insight into who are you? What's your name? So names Wilson pronounced beer. So Wilson Beer. Um thirty-six, married uh to the lovely Leslie, uh for eleven years, two boys. Uh Caleb who's seven and Jude who's two and a half. Um so that's family life. We live in Tandragee. Um go to church uh, in Emmanuel, Lurgan. Uh, what do I do? I work for an organisation called uh, Urban Saints. Used to be Crusaders, maybe some people will, will be more mm. familiar with that. Yeah. Um, I've been now, actually in September time, will be nine years I've been working with, with Urban Saints. And I've been working as the uh, National Director, uh, trying to head up the work that's happening here, uh, both north and, and, and south of the the border, which has been an interesting journey. Came in at an interesting time, at a time of change, um, which was good, but I've learned certainly some valuable lessons along the way. 
Um, other things about me, passionate follower of football. Um, who's, team, your, who's, your, who's your football team? Well, my teams in this order would be Portadown. So, <laughs> yeah, Portadown and, and then, uh, United. I'd be a passionate follower of uh, United. And, yeah, so that would be my, my football teams. No, I, I don't really know much about football, but I would imagine that there'll be probably some people turning the podcast off now because of some of More than that. They probably lost most of the port of <laughs> But <laughs> uh, yeah, then the rest at the United. But yeah, and yeah, just I've always loved sport, any kind of sport, really. You know, football being my sport of choice, but just love getting out and about. I love getting out and running, uh, cycling a bike, whatever it may be. Just mm. out and about, but um, but yeah, that's a, that's a wee bit about me and uh, what I'm kind of up to, what I'm into, and uh, that sort of thing. What, what do you spend most of your kind of time doing when you're not working? When I'm not working, it, it's largely it's family stuff. You know, um, family stuff, family time is precious. So, love to yeah, hang out with family, do things. Uh, trips whatever it may be but just spend time with them spend time with the boys and and part of that will also take in my other passions like football so we'll take caleb to go watch <laughs> to endure uh port it down or take him to his football uh, his football team on a friday night that that sort of thing but it's it generally revolves around family and obviously uh, church activities as well so those will be had punch in kind of free time and mm. Yeah, I wouldn't. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't really want to be doing anything else. So uh, that's good. So, Wilson, tell us a little bit about the work of um, Urban Saints. Then, what is it? What is it you guys do for, for people who aren't aware? Uh, so, well, I'll have to delve into a bit of a, a bit of a, a history lesson to, to get us to where we are now, because we're actually this podcast coming at quite an interesting time in our in our journey as Urban Saints. Essentially, it started with a guy in 1906, a guy called Albert Keston. He looked around his church and realized there's no, no, no young people here. And I suppose he was a bit dissatisfied with that. And he was walking past his local park and saw a group of lads standing there. He went over to them, started chatting to them. Why he's not in church? Essentially, the response came back. It's irrelevant. It's not, it's not for us. He says, well, if I set a group up for you guys, will you come? And... Uh, uh, we'll spend time, we'll, we'll study God's Word, we'll do uh, some stuff. And they launched the first, what we would know as Crusader Group. Mm-hmm. So at its heart, it's an, it's an on-reach, or it's an outreach to children, young people, sort of disengaged from the church. Um, and that's what we, we've been about for over 100 years now, launching groups to reach uh, children, young people. Came through a period of... of of you know the church now engaging a lot more with with kids and young people so our place for maybe setting up independent groups we moved away from that to a much more how do we serve the church and what they do mm-hmm. so provide a lot of resources things like energizing and training and stuff to resources church to do that with their children and young people but actually just latterly over the last number of years we've been really praying into it and we believe god's actually calling us back to actually there's 94 percent are thereabouts, so the vast majority of, of young people are disengaged from the church. What he's going to do about it? Mm-hmm. So we're now back to kind of a planting missional groups, raising up leaders to engage with those kids and young people just don't have any interest for 
things of the church are the claims of, of Jesus. So uh, we're, we're moving into that again and, and, and going back to our roots, really, in our DNA, which is mm. missional at heart. So uh, uh, we would just want to raise a generation of people that know who know who they are in God, what they have, the gifts that they have, and kind of walk into their destiny and, and try and facilitate that and raise up the leaders of the future. So that's a, a bit of a snapshot as to, to what we're about um, mm. and what we do and what we're involved in. And kind of we support that through, and that discipleship journey through kind of residential opportunities for young people on mission trips, you know, giving them an opportunity to encounter Jesus by doing the things that Jesus done. Uh, so engaging in their community, doing outreach, doing mission. Um, because suppose even of that vast majority of children and young people who have no interest in Jesus or don't know who Jesus is, there's a lot who know who he is but just don't care. Mm. And the way that's changed is that they have an encounter with him. So we like to provide opportunities for encounter and, and development. So that's what we're about, Christian youth um, mission organization. Mm-hmm. I love what you're saying about um, kind of as an organization, you know, going for a hundred years, um, being kind of developmental, changing kind of not not the core of what you're about, but how you go about doing stuff. So becoming mm-hmm. a resource for mm-hmm. churches to, mm-hmm. but then that sense you're saying as an organization being called back, yeah, yeah, original kind of purpose, um, yeah, that. Um, that's really interesting to me as um, somebody who's interested in change and the process of change and all that sort of stuff. I'm, I'm just really curious then for National Director of Ireland and there's this whole big process of change kind of mm-hmm. for you, Wilson, as, as, the, as the kind of leader in the middle of that. How do you experience that change is mm-hmm. the first part of the question. Mm-hmm. How, how have you been like helping manage that? Mm-hmm. What's, that, what's that look like? Yeah, it was interesting. I, I learned, I would say, I learned quite a bit in because I actually joined at a time of change as well, mm-hmm. you know, nine years ago. Well, it kind of happened just before me coming. So, Urban Saints at its centenary changed its name from Crusaders um, to Urban Saints, and, and, and with that came some uh, changes around how we do things and, and so on as well. And I came in that and learned a lot of, a lot of lessons that have really stuck with me. And hopefully, as we begin the transition again and change again, they will stand me in good stead. Uh, and the message that I keep coming is something I'd read or I'd heard at a conference. You know, there's in ministry there's two, there's two constants. First constant is Jesus, and the second constant is change. And we have to, we have to, we have to go with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it will require change and there's, there's things I learned from that from that time of change number number one we celebrate what has gone before but don't just because we've almost found at a time of change it's almost like the name change or various things changed it was almost like people took it as everything that went before has been thrown out mm-hmm. that isn't the case so we celebrate what's gone before mm-hmm. we honour what's gone before uh, we honor the people that have gone before and what has what they have brought. We understand where we are now, uh, and we share a vision for the future. You know, people get behind the vision, get excited by that, and then obviously, after that, when you share this vision of where we're going, what could be, what what urban scenes 
could be, then there comes a time where people need to see how we're going to get there. So that kind of strategy stuff. So those are the kind of three things that I learned from a previous time of change is we honor what goes before and we'll have to do that again. Uh, we honor that resource inside and say, actually, do you know what? There's still an element of us. We want to do that. We want to celebrate that church is God's plan A and there is no plan B. We want a resource, but there's opportunity out there as well that we need to really be grappling with. And with something we feel that God's placed in us as an organization to play in that, that arena. And so celebrate what's gone before, what we've learned. Understand where we are now in terms of where we're positioned, what we're seeing around us, and share a vision for the future, what could be. Mm-hmm. Actually starting to turn the tide on this vast majority of young people are disengaged in the church. Actually seeing a change in that, a change in culture, a change in the way people talk about faith and, and so on. So, yeah, there's been some lessons in there. Now, that's not... That's not change is never easy you know uh, you, you lose people but i've learned just to be open and honest about that journey um where we've come from where we are and where we're going kind of thing so i don't know if that answers your question but it's just that's, that's some of the things that i want to be drawn on as we go through another mm. uh, period of of change mm. i've seen where it's been done well and i've seen where it's hasn't been done well uh, and that's not that's in various experiences um so i've learned from from those kind of strikes me that like part of your role um, is to embrace the fact that change happens that seems hard to do mm-hmm. so i'm wondering at like a very human kind of level as wilson wilson beer how did how do you experience change? And then, because sometimes I think this is what happens. As leaders, we obviously we have people who we are responsible for. Mm-hmm. Um, we have organizations that we're responsible for. Yeah. Um, but we're also human in the sense that we experience, um, we have feelings about things, we have thoughts about things. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes we need to kind of process those. Some people love change or are able to embrace it straight away. Mm-hmm. Are you that type of person or does it take you kind of a while to come around and I wouldn't say I don't I don't resist change. I don't uh, I wouldn't say I find it easy. Uh, I'm somewhere in the middle with, with yeah. change because I understand the need for change yeah. and I've seen the damage when people have almost dug their heels in and refused the change and what what's happened. And you know, life Life's about change, you know, and even if I just think personally, you know, if I had stayed as I was when I got married, things wouldn't have gone too well for too long. Do you know what I mean? You know, if I had just stayed as that kind of really selfish individual who lived by himself, has his way of doing things, well, Leslie wouldn't have let me stay that way. But, you know, <laughs> so you learn through things like that. You know, change is necessary for things to flourish and life to come. In a marriage, I... I have to change things. And then, you know, yourself, being a dad, when when kids come along, there's another adjustment that has to happen. If I dig down and refuse to change, that is not going to help my kids flourish. It's not going to help the family dynamic flourish. Mm. So although I don't find it easy and it's hard because there's an element of pruning and there's an element of self-assessment when you realize how selfish you are and can be. But what trumps that is the necessity to change. If I don't, the damage that has on marriage, kids, family life, um, 
whatever it may be, ministry, church, uh, you name it. So although I don't find it easy because, you know, what, you, what you're doing and the comfortable and the now is, is easy to sort of change that and mix that up a wee bit, that's difficult, but it's, in the, it's a necessary thing. So I've learned a lot of lessons and reflecting on that and even just personally, uh, the need for change. And even in, in leadership, just assessing my own leadership style and things and how I've led things before and how I'm leading now and just that need to actually look at where where things do need to change within that what do I need to set down now in order for for this to flourish and uh, things around that so yes I don't find it easy but I find it necessary uh, and that kind of trumps uh, anything uh, that goes before so yeah I love what you're saying there, Wilson. Like, <clears throat> if if you don't change, mm-hmm. it's kind of that question, you know. Um, I mean, sometimes I would ask ask a question um, in coaching sessions. You know, if things don't change, where do you see yourself in five years' time or a month's mm-hmm. time? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's that idea of if we stay stuck and rigid. Mm-hmm. Um, and don't go with the flow of change or don't um aren't aware of what needs to be changed mm-hmm. um, where will we be as leaders mm-hmm. where will mm-hmm. our organizations be where will be the clients that we work with the young people that we work with mm-hmm. we'll love that kind of ref- that reflective kind of question of where will we be if we don't yeah yeah but it kind of strikes me as well that there's a degree like the word that's coming out for me is humility there seems to be like a degree of humility that's needed to be a leader who is open to change mm-hmm. and open to it's not just change it's about <laughs> what i heard you say was about really looking at yourself yeah like how many how many of us in leadership positions really come from a place of humility and humility strikes me as one of the driving forces of of change the change that you're mm-hmm. talking about mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think it has to be, you know, and I suppose my, my my driving force and my understanding of leadership comes from, it comes from many places, but ultimately it comes from, you know, I, I believe Jesus to be the best. And as I'm not going off to preach here, you know, you just, you just study Jesus as a person and how he led, and led through change and uh, and led into the into the more and uh, led into expansion and it, it was all was humility you know and uh, like I haven't got it sorted um, I'm not going to sit here and say <laughs> uh, yeah I've got I've got that box ticked but there's also a constant check back how am I doing in this you know and yeah I, I didn't set out my journey to be a, a leader. I didn't sit down at 16 and say, I want to be leading the organization or lead this by that point. I kind of just found my way into it. And I don't know whether that journey has led me to where I am now and how I see leadership and how I manage change. And I think I don't know, but I think there is something in that and that I didn't choose it. It almost 
choose me a wee bit and I probably come to the table saying, you know, I haven't got this sword. I don't really have a lot to bring to the table. So my only checkpoint is, well, how did Jesus do it? And I'll, I'll take that as my checkpoint. And that's, that's, not a, that's not a preach. You know, I haven't done any leadership courses or anything, uh, but I've learned off some great people. I've, I've watched and had some great leaders in my life who have done the same thing, um, who have just went about, how do I represent Jesus well in my leadership? I'm interested in um, the fact that leadership found you and mm-hmm. never really set out to, to be a leader of or, an organization mm-hmm. um, or to even be a leader. But yeah, what's that journey that you went on from it not being in your mindset of wanting it to actually stepping into it? You know, what, why would you describe that process or that journey that you went on? Yeah, that, that, that journey's been, you know, like if I look back to kind of, you know, school days, what do you want to be? You know, those classes, like who, like 16, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. You know, I was still given the answer. I wanted to be a footballer, <laughs> even though I had two. Even though, even though when you had two left feet and it was never going to happen, you know, <laughs> but then when you really think about it, actually what the question then is, what, what, do you, what, what's, what are you passionate about? Okay, you're you're not gonna be a you're not gonna be a footballer. It's not gonna be a, that's not gonna happen. What do you what are you passionate about? What gets you going? And it always was, for me, investing in young people. But how that it worked itself at that point of my journey is I want to be a teacher. I wanna I wanna invest in education. I wanna I wanted to be a biology teacher. That was the only subject I had any kind of real flair <laughs> yeah. uh, in. Um, so that was my journey and I pursued that and went off to university still with that kind of passionately invest in the, 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 the next generation. But that would have been through education, so done my degree. But as, as part of that and that experience away at university, had opportunities to do some teams along with the, well, it was the Church of Ireland Centre then, just the community that I lived in, you know, to go and serve. Went over to kind of Toxteth in, in Liverpool had some opportunity to do some youth and children's ministry and it was really the youth side of things that really grabbed my heart and seeing just how young people are just well number one craving for community and in many ways craving for a bit of leadership if you want to call it that people who will invest in them and call out the good and Mm. so on because for for many they weren't they weren't getting it maybe from other from other areas so God really was tugged at my heart for that. So at the end of my kind of time at university, still with that kind of, I want to, I want to be a, a teacher. But I thought I'm, I'm taking a year out here to go and just try all the things. Um, look at youth work as a as an opportunity. So I went back to Liverpool for a year, worked for Tear Fund and talks to the Tabernacle, and met some wonderful people, some great leaders. And I would say then it just really discovered a passion for for young people and investing in young people and mm. gathering young people and mentoring young people. Probably wouldn't wouldn't have called it mentoring then. Uh, it was just getting alongside them, you know. Um, so then from that, well, how can I do that? So I have a passion for young people. I have a passion about helping them become all that God wanted them to be and from that went to work for a church doing that sort of thing, investing in people, gathering people, 
and then from that urban saints came up whose passions are young people developing young people investing mentoring releasing them into leadership so it ticked that box so it was just kind of always pursuing that passion and it led me down it wasn't I set into it going, I want to be the leader of that organization. The passions met my passions. Um, and there was a connection there. So I, I've kind of been learning on the job uh, and learning some, some great people. But it always has been kind of, what are you, Wilson, what are you passionate about? And pursue that. Mm. And that's, I found myself in a, in a leadership position off, mm. off the back of that. Um, I think that's, so that's kind of been my journey. Yeah, I think it's so insightful there. You, um, you know, passion evolves mm-hmm. and it grows mm-hmm. and um, it changes mm-hmm. and it builds. And I think sometimes, you know, we ask ourselves what we're we passionate about and we think we need to have the end kind of goal, kind of figured out and sorted out. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we think that passion equals job. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. But sometimes that's not the case. So I love what how you're describing that. You know, way back when it was okay asking yourself what are you passionate about, and at that time it was young people and the idea of wanting to teach mm-hmm. evolved and changed mm-hmm. as mm-hmm. new things were planted mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in your heart to, yeah. to kind of go after and new passions kind of emerging. Yeah. Um. And and I think that's as leaders. Yes, but as people, that's kind of what we're called to do. Yeah, yeah. One of the thing, things that strikes me is that, <clears throat> like moving in and out of different organizations or different rules, you said that you met some amazing people. Yeah, yeah. And that in anybody's journey, you know, there's going to be times where there's there's been significant people at significant times speaking significant things. So I'm wondering for you, Wilson, like throughout your kind of journey that you described there, like um, who, who were those people and what kinds of things did they teach you or, or what stands out, out for you? Well, there's, uh, there's three that come straight to mind. And of influence in different ways, you know, automatically go to, uh, go to my dad for, for, for number one, you know, taught me so many things. So about so many different things, but if I look to him as a leader of the home, for example, or as a dad and how he parented me, I, I'm drawn on that now as I, as I parent, you know, he shaped kind of a leadership within the, the home and how I, parent my kids and, and things like that so that's been really influ- influential to me then I looked at my own youth leader um, like I remember my, my parents uh, saying to me would you go down to that you go down to the youth group and like I had absolutely no interest you know the only thing I wanted to do was to, was to play football badly uh, <laughs> but I had no interest I said well give it a week you like it if you don't like it then that's that's it if you if you like it you can stay so i went down to this youth group i absolutely loved my time there why did i love my time there i love my time there because of the leaders who were interested in me as a person not as a project or 
someone they needed to deliver a program to, but they were interested in me. Um, they knew me. They knew what I was doing. They knew that I was interested in football. They knew it was how I was doing in school. They knew all these different things. They took an interest in, in me. And that shaped my, again, my leadership. Actually, it's about relationship. You know, relationship with volunteers, relationship with group leaders, relationship with young people on our experiences, whatever it may be, the importance of that as a leader. And I quite simply wouldn't be doing some of the stuff I'm doing now if it wasn't for those leaders leading in that way and uh, prioritizing relationship over project or program. And then there were a guy called Terry Jones, Pastor Terry Jones of Toxteth Tabernacle Baptist Church. That guy shaped me in more ways than he will ever ever know. He really invested in me. But the one thing that really stands out is someone was telling me about him and his leadership and how he led. And after one of the church services, he was in the bathrooms with his arm down the U-bend of the toilet. <laughs> To which someone said, oh, pastor, pastor, you can't be doing that. <laughs> and he turned around and he says, if I can't do this, I can't stand up at the front of the church on Sunday morning. If I'm not willing to do the unseen things, I shouldn't be doing the seen things. And that really spoke to me about authentic leadership as a word that you've used. Actually, this isn't just about what is... The scene is about a heart that's there to serve, that's driven from a passion to see well, God's kingdom come or our people thrive. So there's been a lot of things in there. You know, just example of my dad, then relationship, trumping everything else. A little programs and all were great relationship. And then just a heart for servant doing the unseen things the authentic things of really kind of again i'm nowhere near to getting any of those things sorted out i'm a flawed version of most of those but I'm, i've certainly something to strive for and there are definitely people and times i really go back to when i am confronted with something i'm asking those questions well how would that have played out what did i learn there that i can so yeah those are the kind of three examples that really stick out to me that have really shaped and those three people that have really shaped leadership in different aspects, whether that be in my own local youth group, my family, or in an organization. How does so, that influence your leadership now? Like what would be some of the the practical examples of, of how that has shaped or molded how you go about leadership? I will always try and find ways to develop relationship with the volunteers groups even young people so one of the first things i did when i started urban scenes was ensure i got around every group to, to visit them to, to know the leaders and okay over time that's become harder to do but you know getting along to the residentials we're running you know meet up with people so that there is a relationship there so when i'm asking someone to do something it's based on our it's coming out of a place of relationship. I'm not just telling you to do something, but that's where we're going. So I, I, I try to do that. And I've, even when I was working in the church, you know, with the young people that were working with, relationship was, was key. You know, if I, 
if I'm going to impart anything, it has to be on a foundation of of relationship and trust and earned the right to share these things, to challenge that thing or that behavior or, or whatever it may be. So trying to put in place structures where that could happen, you know, and I, I do lead in a, in one of our local urban science groups, you know, again, we found ourselves in a place where actually it just felt like we were running a program Sunday night, boom, in, I have to do this first, this first, this first. And we all sat down as a leadership and go, do you know what? We've got this all wrong. Where do we know what's going on in these young people's lives? No, we don't. So how are we going to do that? And it quite simply was, you're going to remove half an hour of your program and you're just going to sit alongside them, grab a hot chocolate, coffee, whatever it may be, and just find out, how's your week going? So there's been small kind of practical steps in, in, in that way. And then in terms of the service, Never asking anyone to do something I wasn't willing to do myself. Um, and I try to do that. Um, I try to get involved where I can in different things. And, you know, so one example was probably the 318 project. You know, I, I probably could have set that team up and sent them off to do it. Probably would have been the easier option. <laughs> And at times the less stressful option but you know what it was a new thing uh, to what we were doing as urban scenes so almost had to I want to be part of this I want to serve this I want to do this and doing that lead kind of hopefully lead the way in that and I think what's kind of pressing on me is that sometimes in our leadership it requires us to pause and to think about um, who do we who do we want to be in this moment or mm-hmm. in this challenge or in this circumstance that we're facing? Mm-hmm. Um, who do we need to be? <clears throat> and sometimes that is about reflecting and drawing on kind of those uh, values or those things that we've learned from past mm-hmm. experiences. Mm-hmm. But kind of what strikes me most is that when you're looking at authentic leadership, it's that sense of just being who you are mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, allowing yourself to be so it's not leadership isn't this kind of fancy position or a role that you kind of put on and mm-hmm. you take off but it's allowing yourself to be real allowing yourself to be vulnerable allowing yourself to be who you've been created and called to be as a leader and to be growing further into that mm-hmm. for you in your in your your leadership like what what's what's the thing that's driving it what's what's your purpose what are you going after that kind of passion for for young people becoming all they can be has kind of led me into other things like chaplaincy work with uh, local football academies and and things like that seeing again young people thrive and of an opportunity. I would say the dreams got, you know, yeah, it's, it's sharpened a wee, it's sharpened a wee bit in terms of, I suppose in the early days, it was this kind of grand, just want young people to become all they can be, but actually it's sharpened into, do you know what? I see that happening by, you know, so if there's the 94% of, <laughs> children, young people are in around that, the vast majority 
uh, of young people who are disengaged from church. Right, young people are striving out for community. So how do we create communities for young people to come together? How do we raise up uh, leaders to invest in that, in that group, wherever they may be? Uh, so that passion for um, young people has come to, has formed into strategy. How do we do that? How do we develop these communities? It has moved me away from a one-size-fits-all kind of way of doing things. You know, it has to be a group that looks like that with those leaders and do that sort of thing. But actually, no, it's much about, this is about the individuals. It's about that community. What are you passionate about? What are you interested in? How do we get leaders around you doing what you do and gently sewing into them in terms of their leadership and calling them on the more... So it's sharpened, it's brought strategy, it's brought a more of an individual feel to, to it. Um, it's not a one-size-fits-all. Um, I would say that passion has grown stronger over the years as I see more, as I experience more, as I hear more stories, as relationships build. So the determination has um, growing other things that I would see around my passengers. I, I want I want to share the stories of. So back when I was, I want to I want to sew in the young people. Now I want to sew in the young people. I want to share their stories as well because I want to almost speak into the the culture that you know young people are this or that or or whatever. Actually, that's not the case. What do you hear the story of this young person? Mm. And actually change a mindset about young people or that community or, or, or that particular young person. No, that's not. So there's almost an advocacy role comes as well, you know. So there's clarity, there's, there's all these different things. It sharpens. That underlying passion is still there, but it, it's become sharper, hopefully a bit more strategic in its a, a, approach. Um, a bit clear as I understand myself and the gifting that I have and know what I bring to the table. That's kind of sharpened things as well. I know that, like, okay, this is what I bring to this situation. I need to find others to complement where I am lacking and a bit more of an awareness of myself uh, as well has helped as I strive continually towards that. I love what you're saying about as you became, have become more self-aware, realizing what you bring and owning that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And not just owning it, but um, embracing it and loving it and, know, and, and coming from a place of strength from it. Mm-hmm. That you're able to see where other people can support and, and help the call and, and the mission mm-hmm, that mm-hmm, is mm-hmm. on your yeah. agenda and your heart. Yeah. That's powerful because sometimes... When we're in a position of leadership, there's sometimes there's that power, that that sense of power or that sense yeah. of responsibility that I am the one that needs to burden all of this and yeah. take all this forward. But you seem to be describing something different. And that, that, that that's that's been a journey, and that's of Moss, Vinti. That's a, that's a recent thing, because my kind of journey has been what I've described, and almost just found myself in leadership. And having a perception of leadership, I have to have this all sorted. Mm-hmm. But actually, it's been a real discovery recently. No, it's just know who you are, know what you bring to the table. Mm-hmm. You don't have to do it all. 
But when you know who you are, what, what you do bring to the table, then you can bring others in, draw in, and then it's a more complete kind of picture of, mm-hmm. of leadership, you know, and being all right with having a few weaknesses, <laughs> or maybe more than a few in my, in my case. But, you know, and I remember I was reading a book recently about some guy involved in Microsoft, and he says, you know, there's almost a fixation in trying to develop all your, your, your weaknesses and you, you expend all your resources in there, but then you're bringing none of your strengths to the table because you're so interested in, he says, and you'll only ever be good at your weaknesses, you'll be great at your strengths. Mm. And that was a real kind of, you're probably thinking that's basic stuff there, but it was a bit of a light bulb moment to me, you know. And then that set me on a kind of process. We have a kind of a, a, a leadership team here uh, in the work on urban science. And it got me thinking, do we, do we know what we bring to the table? Do we know what we have at the table? Yeah. So we kind of done a strength finder type thing to see, right, well, who, who, who brings what? Where are, the, where are the gaps? And are we positioning our people behind their passions? Uh-huh. Do you know, so that, that, that has been a recent thing. Uh, and I'm talking over the last kind of year, year and a half, two years I've been journeying that. We're actually becoming a bit more comfortable with what God's placed in me, what gifts I have. And actually, it's all right to have weaknesses because, you know what, we all have them. And uh, you don't have to have it all sorted. But actually putting in place some kind of strategies and ideas around how do we get the best out of everyone. Therefore, we have a bit more body of Christ, bigger picture, complete. So uh, It's such a cultural thing, though, isn't it, in terms of there's almost this pressure put on people that actually you're not good enough to the way you are you have mm-hmm. to everything has to be really really good mm-hmm. but actually looking at it from a strengths point of view and going okay what is it you have what is it you bring to the mm-hmm. table mm-hmm. what is it that's being placed in you that's unique and that's strong right now because yeah. that's what really matters yeah and your strengths then can be a way of um, managing your weaknesses yeah 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 i go whoa what what difference would that make? Yeah, your calling or a mission. If people are are confident in who they are, what they bring, yeah. that sort of stuff gets me really excited. Actually, yeah, yeah. Are you seeing any fruit from that? <laughs> well, like I said, it's kind of been in my own personal journey. Yeah. Yes, I just I feel a bit more. It's not too washy a word. Free in my leadership, more comfortable. Uh, and it's not I'm, I'm trying to please everyone by doing everything but it's actually being all I'm all right with what I, I bring it's also been really helpful being able to verbalize those things because obviously in various settings maybe with a particular set of skills like for example you know when we have round table I'm not great at that kind of initial response but if you give me some time to reflect and feedback you'll get the best out of me mm. so I'm able to say to my people and colleagues I'm working with, you know, this is how I work. This is how I operate. To get the best out of me, to get my input into this, you've got to make space and uh, time available to be able to uh, process that and not just ask for initial reaction because you're not getting my best response. Mm. So I find even just how I've been in meetings now has changed. As I become aware of that, I feel I've brought a lot more to discussions because I've been open and honest about that. Uh, and some of the giftings so like I say recent journey but I've certainly seen fruit of it in my 
life it's given me a bit more of a confidence in who God's made me to be. Uh, do you know, and if I'm, if I'm honest about my leadership journey, struggled a wee bit with kind of an inferiority complex. You know, well, so who, who are you? You know, what, what, what do you, what do you bring? What, you know, should you be at this table? Should you be at that conversation? Struggle a wee bit with that. But it's only when actually I become comfortable with who, who I am mm. and what I have and I don't have to live up to these other things and be honest about that. Actually, I've almost found the, you know, the spine straightening a wee bit yeah. as a bit of confidence comes. That's been an interesting journey. But that, that feeds into every aspect of life, not just work, just when you know who you are and what you carry and being all right with that. You don't have to be that leader. and You don't have to be that leader. It's such a freeing thing. You know, the, th- the stuff that's going on in my head at the moment is... I actually normal it is that when we're in leadership positions that we have um, maybe at times maybe for some people it's more frequent but we can feel um, uncomfortable at times mm-hmm. or as you the word you used was inferior mm-hmm. and it's important to recognize that as leaders is mm-hmm. okay, where the areas that I may be thinking negatively about myself that I'm struggling in, that I feel weak in, where the areas that I'm not speaking truth into mm-hmm. my into mm-hmm. my life mm-hmm. and into my leadership. And that to me is another mark of humility. It's another mark of authenticity, being able to be real with yourself and your own weaknesses and your own kind of mindset. But the beauty about all of this is that, and you've said it, and you've said it a number of times in a number of different ways, when you know who you are, the inferiority or the, the negative things we think about ourselves almost fall away. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And part of me goes, that's because that's the design, that's, that's the way of being created, <laughs> is mm-hmm. to, yeah. Yeah. when we know who we are, when we know what we bring, when we believe that to be true, mm-hmm. that's, that's all you need. One of the things that I love kind of, thinking about is um the idea of um overflow so like living mm-hmm. in that place of i have enough to give yeah yeah how do you keep yourself in that place as a leader so having good people around me and that, that starts at home um and being able to operate out of the overflow means you're not anywhere near burnout type thing so leslie's very good at checking me on on very practical things like time how are you giving your best are you taking your sabbath your 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 day um even just having a good review structure in place within work you know kind of you know we've had some yeah you know, there's some really great tools that we've used over the time like 360 review where you're not just hearing from your colleagues but you're hearing from people in your life who are sharing about what what you bring what what you maybe do need to develop on uh reflections on you and the importance of not marking your own homework really you know (laughs) i've got this all sorted out type thing you know not filling the diary with too much activity you know uh being all right with having a a day when there's not a meeting there and actually taking time to plan and pray and reflect and 
has been good. You know, sometimes you look at your diary and you go, well, there's, I haven't got every slot filled here. And I said, I'm not making the most of this. But actually being comfortable with the, the quieter times to be able to really invest, think, and uh, develop some stuff. Uh, having a mentor, people that are comfortable with that, kind of that, that term, people know what I'm talking about. Just someone who is, has a license to ask you the difficult questions about every aspect of your life to ensure that you're operating out of the overflow uh, in every aspect of your life. And that's been really helpful. However, my mentor has had to move away now, so I'm on the, I'm on the lookout now. For, <laughs> so if you want to put your application in, that's all right. <laughs> but yeah, so, but I, I've really valued that. Just someone really so in, into me. I'm just putting some good habits in place of study, you know, of time with others balanced diary yeah. you know uh, you, you come back fresh when you've had time with your family or you've there's nothing like it you maybe haven't spent two weeks on your holiday thinking about work but you come back sharp yeah. and so there's an importance of taking that time and having a balanced diary and because yeah. it feeds into every aspect so those are different things you know like good practical review um shaping of me having others speak into my life ha uh, having a someone there who can ask you difficult questions whether that's a way for a mentor or whatever it may be just really checking you on some things has been really helpful and just the importance of a balanced diary you know mm -hmm. the need for balance so well son thank you so much you know pleasure <laughs> um, i hope there's something in there i hope there's something in there well son there's there's loads in there thanks for your thanks for your honesty um thanks for your time um thanks for your wisdom and your input wilson if people want to get a hold of you to learn a wee bit more about your work um where or to get in contact with you where's the best place to do that well it's just the email address wbeer that's B-E-A-R-E <laughs> at urbanscience.org uh, or, you know, find me on Facebook, go to the Urban Science website, uh, urbanscience.org forward slash Ireland. Anyway, ask you, Venti. Um, I'll give you permission to pass my details on whatever okay. way, but those are the best ways. And I would love to chat if there's anything I can do to help. Then more than happy to. Well, son, thank you so much. Um, guys, please do get on Facebook and um, on the Tinter web and check out uh, what Urban Saints are doing. Absolutely fantastic work. Um, if you want to check out what we're doing at Six Degrees Coaching, again, you can go on our website, www.sixdegreescoaching.com, Facebook, all the usual places. Um, but, yeah, hope this uh, podcast was useful for you guys. And we will... Maybe, hopefully, see you guys soon. Take it easy.